If you would take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. As we observe the Lord's Supper today, we want to talk about the Lord's Supper. If you're joining us through Facebook Live, podcasts, YouTube, we and, uh, welcome you and pray the Lord richly blesses you. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to talk about the Lord's Supper. Look at Matthew 26, verse 26. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. And as they were eating, as if everybody's found their place, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this moment, Lord, as Father, just humbly before you. May we just open up and see your eternal truth. May you work your power in your words. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We're also going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That'll probably be our main text. But I wanted us to see the example of where the Lord's Supper is instituted by Jesus. He institutes it here. And, and notice who he institutes it with. He institutes it with his disciples. This is his church. The Lord had uh, started his church during his earthly ministry. And this is his church, which he is having the Lord's Supper with. Now, the New Testament church, the, the church which the Lord Jesus had founded and he is still in today, has two ordinances. There's only two ordinances in the Word of God that he gave to his church. is baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, Baptist history has a long, bloody past of the Baptists who stand upon the Word of God, and we, with integrity... We hold to the truths that are taught in the Bible. We do not compromise the truth for the sake of inclusion. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, churches all over today are going outside and they are abandoning the truth just for the sake of inclusion. And you can read on their websites exactly what they're doing. We, as Baptists, we believe this is a Baptist distinctive uh, we're uh, looking at starting a new Sunday school uh, series in the adult Sunday school class. And I'm thinking about going over just some of the, the doctrines, biblical doctrine. Uh, next week, I may look at baptism. Uh, today, we obviously don't have cha a chance to talk about baptism. But there is just a long, bloody history of the Baptists, of the Lord's true churches who hold to the truth of the Scriptures and do not violate baptism or the Lord's Supper. 
So what is the Lord's Supper? We're going to look at four things this morning. It's nature, the elements of the Lord's Supper, the observers, and the observants. And with it being a worship service all of its own, I, I pray that uh, it won't be the entire time. I, I want to go ahead and apologize. It'll seem like I'm going fast. I told the Sunday school uh, people this morning, I went fast <laughs> for Sunday school. I'm going to go fast again today. But if, if I, I do want to say this. If anybody thinks that I say something and it doesn't sound right, please ask me later, and I would love to talk to you about any of the things which I say. Sometimes I'll go through, I'll speed through something, and I may not have time to clarify a lot of the times what I mean, and then I don't want you to leave thinking uh, or being offended or anything, but um, I want you to come speak to me about any of the truth which we're going to look at. All right, so it's nature. What is the Lord's Supper? I'm going to give you two things it's not and then what it is. First of all, the Lord's Supper is not a sacrament. Uh, a sacrament, by definition, is a religious ceremony or a ritual regarded as imparting divine grace, such as baptism, uh, the Eucharist and the Roman Catholic and uh, many Orthodox churches with penance and the anointing of the sick. The Bible absolutely does not teach anywhere that God imparts any divine grace through any of the ordinances, whether it's baptism or the Lord's Supper. The what we do in this church does not add to grace. We don't have more grace that God gives you. Uh, we know that salvation is sufficient. What Jesus' work on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection is sufficient. There's no need to add to that. In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us plainly that by grace, through faith, are ye saved, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. We, if, if you can brag about any part of the salvation life cycle from the beginning to glorification, if any part of that is something that you did as a work, then you are incorrect. The Bible does not teach that we have any works that contribute to God's work. And remember last week, we saw because it's all glory to God. So if you take that just general principle, it's going to help you with all of the other doctrine. At any point, if you are looking at yourself, there's something wrong. You need to be looking at him. He is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. He is the secure of our salvation. And so we look to him. So there is no additional grace. There's no additional Holy Spirit that because the taking of the Lord's Supper is a work which we do. It's a work of obedience. God, Jesus commanded his churches to observe the Lord's Supper and to baptize believers. If any of that is a work toward salvation, it's wrong. So when Jesus saves us, when we repent and we believe and we receive the Holy Spirit, we're born again, that is sufficient for all. I mean, you're not going to get additional Holy Spirit. And that's what um, they teach, that this sacrament, they call it a sacrament, it's the addition of divine grace. So if you don't take of the Lord's Supper, you don't get divine grace. You don't get spirit. You don't get more spirit. And what are you doing? 
you're earning it. it it's like, okay, I'm punching in and I'm going to go get some more grace. Grace is not earned. Grace is given freely by God. And he makes that huge distinction all throughout the word of God that if, if it's worked, it's no more grace. Because grace cannot be grace if you've earned it. It's given to you. And so it is not a sacrament. We read from the word of God that um, no grace is added. Secondly, it is not the actual blood and body of Jesus Christ. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are not changing the elements of the Lord's Supper, of the bread and the juice into the blood, the actual blood in the body of Jesus Christ. That is also another thing that is taught by the Catholic Church. It's called transubstantiation. And what they're doing is, and I've got a long thing here. Uh, we don't, may not have time to go into it, but they're misinterpreting a spiritual truth which Jesus had given that when Jesus said that when you were in the wilderness and God fed you with the manna sent from heaven, the real bread, he said, then your fathers had died. But Jesus is the real bread. He's the true bread sent down from heaven. And whoever partakes of this bread shall never hunger. And the same thing with thirsting. He who partakes of me will never thirst. So Jesus goes on to use that principle and say that unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, that you will not be one of his. And so they're like, what? They took a spiritual truth and tried to make it physical. And then the lot were offended. They, they couldn't take the saying. But Jesus went on to say, hey, I'm speaking spiritual truth. The same thing, if you notice, with Nicodemus. He said, verily, verily, saying to you, unless you are born again, you cannot uh, perceive the things, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus was like, how can I be born again? And Jesus was speaking spiritual, spiritual truth. So what the... Catholic, and honestly, in John chapter 6, you can look it up later, it has nothing to do with the Lord's Supper. It has to do with salvation. It has to do with partaking of the Son of God as a spiritual food. And much like the children of Israel had a physical food provided and they were saved, Jesus is the real bread of life sent from heaven. And so uh, there is a lot of things that are in error with the teaching of transubstantiation. I don't have time to go into it all, but they are, in fact, they're re-crucifying Jesus Christ when they are making the, the, the uh, juice, blood, and the bread his flesh. But we know that Jesus went once for all. They're, they're making him out to be after the order of Aaron, which Aaron had to go in and sacrifice often. Jesus doesn't. He's after the order of Melchizedek, where he went once for all. And so we do not put Jesus back on the cross and make the, the elements his flesh and his blood and re-crucifying him. No, he's already done that. He didn't need to do it anymore. So uh, he is sufficient in that. All right, those are the two things which it's not. What is it? It is a memorial service which Jesus had commanded his church. Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We will spend the rest of our time here in 1 Corinthians Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First of all, it is a memorial. What we have before us are pictures. They're signs and it's symbolism. 
There's no, like I said, there's no divine grace that's given to you. Uh, there's no uh, any addition to salvation or sanctification or holiness. But we take this as an obedience to his command as his church, as his assembled body here today. This is an obedience to his command. And what is the reason behind this? First of all, it is a commemoration of the Lord's death. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Well, look at verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. You notice what he said? Just in remembrance of me. He didn't say, do this to receive extra grace. Do this to be saved, to stay saved, and to have uh, you know, a spiritual awakening. He says, do this in remembrance of me. It's a memorial. And so we are doing it. It's a church act, and we do it in the memory of Jesus Christ's death, his, his crucifixion, that he died for your sins. And if you're a member here, that means that you have had a profession of faith. You can't be a member here and not have been saved, not have had a profession of faith. I, I don't know if you were baptized here, but you may have been baptized in another Baptist church of like faith, and you had your profession of faith there. But those who are partaking of the Lord's Supper are all saved people because we're all members. So we are remembering what Jesus did for us. You have received what Jesus did for you. You will profess Jesus as your personal Savior, that he did indeed die for you upon the cross, and that he rose again the third day. And today you are trusting in him for your salvation. And you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit, and you are praying and reading the word of God, and you care about the things of God. This is for you. This is for the church. Secondly, it proclaims the death of Jesus. So if somebody were to walk in here, what are we showing? What are we picturing? We're picturing Jesus' death upon the cross, the blood and the body. Um, it's also a reminder of Jesus' second coming. Look at verse 26. He says, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. There's the proclamation. We're showing it till he comes. So we are to do it in perpetuity. We are to continue to observe the Lord's Supper. He doesn't tell us how often, but he does tell us to observe it until he comes back. We're not to stop. Uh, so, all right. So now let's talk about the elements. The elements of the Lord's Supper, as the scripture teaches, is the unleavened bread. And it, leaven always comes to represent sin in the Bible. And so we know that when Jesus had the Lord's Supper, it was at the time of Passover. So they were doing the Passover meal already. So they used unleavened bread. And the cup is to be the fruit of the vine. So... The Lord's Supper is a spiritual Passover meal. It really is. Think about the comparisons uh, of what Jesus has done for us. Now, the Passover, what they observe in, in Judaism is the Passover meal. It was for the exodus that they had from Egypt. Remember that God had instituted perpetually that they were have a memorial dinner 
and they were to perpetually remember how God had rescued Egypt from bondage, from affliction, and brought them out with a mighty hand. So they had to eat of unleavened bread because of the haste which they had to leave. And we see that he, he set this up to be a memorial. Now, think about how Jesus has fulfilled the Passover. Jesus is the true Passover lamb how God has rescued and saved us spiritually from the bondage which we were in. We weren't in physical bondage like Israel. We were in spiritual bondage. And so he has rescued us by the blood of the Lamb. Remember the, the tenth plague on Egypt that God instructed them to take the Lamb without spot and blemish and put it on the lentils and the doorposts. And when the death angel comes, the wrath of God comes to enact vengeance he would pass. He'd see the blood, and he would pass over them. And how much more is Jesus our Passover? That's why we don't, as Christians, observe Passover. We, because Jesus is our Passover. He's the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. And what he did was shedding his blood to where God passes over us. His wrath is appeased. Uh, just beautiful. So, uh, continuing on. We know that when we partake of, the, now look at verse 24 again. He says, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Now, when we partake of the Lord's Supper in remembrance, we put the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on our mind. How he suffered for you. How his body, his bones weren't broken, but he was bruised and he was beaten. And he was whipped. And he went through the suffering. In Isaiah 53, he says he was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes, we are healed. He was smitten and stricken of God. Yet it pleased God to lay upon him the chastisement of our peace on the iniquities of us all. So when we come to uh, partake of the Lord's Supper and the bread, we remember the body of Jesus Christ, how he suffered, how the perfect Lamb of God who loves you suffered on the cross for you. Every stripe he took was for you, as if it were just you. So we remember him in that way. Now the fruit of the vine is the cup in verse 25. If you look after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. So we see that the cup is to picture his blood which was shed for you. The blood of Jesus Christ has ratified the new covenant and we are saved, we're secured in him. Um, the Bible calls it the, the juice of the grape it must be the juice of the grape. It can't be apple juice. It can't be any other kind of, it can't be lemon juice or any of those things. The Bible makes the grape and it often calls the juice of the grape the pure blood of the grape. So the, the juice of the grape always represents blood. It always does. And so we know that Jesus shed his blood to seal this covenant. And this covenant is God said that I will remember their sins no more. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that God remembers our sins no more? Amen. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. And you know, my, I've been set free. My sins are in the deepest sea. 
Because Jesus died, he shed his blood, and it sealed that promise. There's no going back. You know, uh, ratification is like when you ratify your will, you have to die in order to ratify your will. What does that mean? It means that your will goes into effect, and it can't be changed by anybody because you're dead. And it goes in. The, so the one person that could have changed it is, die, has, is dead. Jesus' blood ratified the new covenant where God says, I will remember their sins and iniquities no more. God had put upon him the chastisement of our peace, and he, and he sent him to the cross. All right, quickly. I know I need, I need, I need to move. It's observers and observants. Now, um, I honestly, I wanted to do this a little more delicately, but I have spoken with a couple of you. Uh, there are three ways that the world we see partake, have Lord's Supper, but there's only one biblical way to have Lord's Supper. Um, we believed that there is uh, the Lord's Supper in the Scripture means that it is for the members of each one of Jesus' churches. And the table which we share, and that's what Paul says, we all share this table as members of Metaphort Baptist Church. Those are the ones who can partake of the Lord's Supper, this, this memorial. Uh, if you are a member in a different church, that's the place that you need to go observe the Lord's Supper. Now, why do we believe that's something called closed communion? There's something called open communion, which we see that just opens up the table for anybody, saved, unsaved, guest, anybody can come in and partake of the Lord's table. Uh, and I wish I had more time. Uh, the Methodists do this. I went to the Methodist website, and honestly, as I was saying before, when they talked about the Lord's Supper, they, of course they call it the Eucharist. The Catholic Church calls it the Eucharist. Eucharist means Thanksgiving. And they approach the Lord's Supper in an, an inclusion type of activity. The, that's not scriptural. I, I did not read where they were scripturally convicted in their practice of communion. Okay? There was no scriptures that supported what they did. They only did it with the act of inclusion. Everybody is forsaking truth for inclusion. And that's the thing is the truth is what sets us free. I need to teach you the truth. We need to get honest with the truth. We're not doing anybody any favors by including everybody and not giving them the truth. And so um, I need to move on. Then there's close communion. It means close enough. That means that if you were to walk in and say, I'm saved, and praise the Lord, if you're saved and you walk in but you are a member of another church or you're not a member of a church, um, some churches will allow you to partake of the Lord's Supper with close. You're close enough. We do not believe that the Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches, uh, there's three reasons. We, we notice that the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, is closed to just the membership of the church, whoever is conducting it, first of all, because that's what we see Jesus do with his 12. Secondly, we see that that's the order of the church in Acts, that in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly 
received his word, were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And then, I think it was, did I say three? Yeah, 3,000. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread. The order is there. That they must, you must come to faith first, then baptism, and then a fellowship within the church, then you are a church member, and then breaking of bread. And that breaking of bread is the Lord's Supper. So, another reason is Paul tells us all of the restrictions Paul gives us when we are not to eat with someone who calls themselves a brother or a sister, who is known to be an extortioner. Um, you know what? Let's just turn over there real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So not only do we see the example in the Word of God of who the partakers of the Lord's Supper were, they were local members of whatever assembly of the Lord's church, but 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 says this, But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one no, not to eat. That means the Lord's Supper. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judges. Therefore put away from, your, uh, uh, from among yourselves that wicked person. So this is the act of church discipline. When any person who is called a brother, who is a member of the church, in an open rebellion in the sins which Paul had described, we are not, we are to shut the table from them, and that's called being under church discipline. Church discipline is you, you cannot eat of the Lord's table or vote. Discipline is meant for correction. Discipline is in love. Uh, when I discipline my children, it's not to punish them. It's to correct. We love them. We want them to come back. And that's what Paul says. If they repent, you've gained your brother. You know, and so it's all about the repentance. So here's the, the idea behind it. Because of the scriptural practice of church discipline, it necessarily means that the Lord's, say, the Lord's Supper must be closed. Because if you come off the street and say, hey, I'm saved, I want to eat uh, the Lord's Supper, I, don't, I'm, I may have just met you. I don't know if you're a drunkard, extortioner, or railer, or a fornicator, or any of those things which Paul says not to eat with. So, you know, uh, it's, again, close communion is not, is not challenging people's salvation, and we love you, and actually, we're going to invite you, if you want, if you're visiting with us, to stay, and to observe and it with us, but not to partake of it. Um, that is for the members of this church. So finally, the observance. All right. So, um, real quickly, there has been a little bit misunderstanding. Look at verse 27 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. So, this is the act of observing it. Wherefore, Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. 
But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh himself, or drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that he come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So what this means, and there's been a little bit misunderstanding, verse 27, when he says, those who drink it unworthily, that word is an adverb. That word describes an action not a person. If you partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, not as an unworthy person, all of us are unworthy. All of us. That's why Jesus had to die and shed his blood and, and save us when we cannot save ourselves. Because it also makes sense with the text, not just the direct text with the grammar, but also the context. Paul was admonishing them because they were eating and they were drinking, they were getting drunk, and they were eating as if it were a meal, as if it were a smorgasbord. You know, they were approaching the Lord's Supper in the wrong way. This is not the way which Jesus instructed his church to observe the Lord's Supper, and that's what Paul is saying. Eat at home. Get full at home. Do all that stuff at home, but when you come here, this is a solemn time, of quietness, of remembrance. When, when we observe the Lord's Supper, each and every one of us, our minds should be focused on Jesus and the cross. It, not on your mother, not on your dad, not on your uncle, not on the Thanksgiving, not on food, not where you're going to eat lunch. You know, um, I know it's going to be hard for those who, uh, like me sometimes, have ADHD symptoms, but your mind is not the wonder. Your mind is to stay focused on Jesus and him being crucified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, Lord, as we begin to partake of the Lord's Supper, that we all have just a single heart and single mind. Father, just surrender our thoughts to you on the cross and your passion of love, which you did for us. In Jesus' name, amen.